Good morning, good morning. Conversations with Alaskan Gardeners. Margaret and Dave are back on the air. Going to talk to you about all the lovely things that are popping up out in our yards, in your yards, in the yards of the public, and in the wild world. And boy, has the weather been great or what? Yeah, particularly if you're a plant. Especially if you're being, getting watered. That's right, getting uh, getting watered <laughs> plant. Boy, we watered some of the places we take care of. And by the time we were done watering the first time, everything was soaked right in. We could have watered it again. Yeah, it really... It- it's really hot out there. Yeah, and these long days, and it's really, really dry. People have been bringing me samples of their plants, saying what's wrong with it. And it's really obvious what's wrong with it is it's wilted. It just doesn't have enough water. And I was in, uh, and and that brings up a topic. Well, and wait a minute. And when you water, you don't want to get the plant wet. You just want to get the ground around the plant wet. There is a uh, a misconception that it, there's plenty of rain and you don't have to water. You know, I can't tell you how many times I come to somebody's place and somebody who is uh, knowledgeable and reasonable and they say, well, why in the world would I even have to water? It rains here. This is a rainforest, you know. Yes, that's true. But the plant needs to be well established and deeply rooted before we can rely on the indigenous rain. Because the water from the rain travels on the surface of the ground. It doesn't go deep in most places and penetrate where the roots are. And also, the root ball of a newly planted plant is not going to absorb water from the surrounding soil. The roots have to grow out into the soil before they can get any of that water. And they need water to do that. And they need water to do that. So when you plant something, and you take it out of its can or its bottle or its pot or even out of your neighbor's yard, and you set it into your yard, you have to make sure that you build a water basin after you've got the dirt in all around it. Now, a watering basin is a really foreign idea to most people. I know. But it's a really old-style application to how to conserve water and to promote root health on plants. And when you make the water basin, you don't make it at the edge of the hole. You make your water basin at the edge of the root ball so that the water you give the plant is directed down into the root system. Instead of spreading over the surface of the ground. Or just running away, that's right. Or going down around the the root ball into the loose soil you've put around it and it puddles up and you look at it and think, well, that's fine. But, you know, it didn't get the root ball itself wet. And if you ever have to dig something back up again a few days after you've planted it, you can check the root system and look, and you'll see that it's, you know, in many cases, it's like the Sahara. It's just dry as dust. Well, with the weather like this, things are really dry out there. They are, and we have a, a crew that waters, you know. They do everything we do, you know. They mow lawns and, and plant plants and prune trees, but when it's time to water, everybody's got a hose and and they're really right on it. You need to really pay attention to that kind of stuff, particularly newly planted things. Absolutely. So it's the 15th of July, and today is the Master Gardener Garden Tour. And if you want to know how to participate in it, look up on their website, Southeast Alaska Master Gardeners, and there's uh, directions, how to buy your tickets, where to join, how to to participate in it. And I think they've got 20 yards to look at today. So it's going to be a real social gardener's event today. And I hope you all join them, have a great time with them. The money goes to a good cause. This is uh, the third shipment of 
predatory insect eggs we've received this year and the response all over southeast has been exciting are these nematodes and the aphid no not nematodes now nematodes are just for the rhododendrons these are aphid hunters okay and they come on they're a, a a little fly called a lacewing but it's not the adult that eats aphids it's the juvenile form and the, what we get are eggs stuck on a little card that you put onto the plant. And you hang the little, little hook on the card onto the plant, and as they hatch out, they begin foraging. Yeah, and people are complaining with the seat that the aphids are just going crazy. The, oh, boy, I've seen them as thick as I've ever seen them anywhere. And the, when you look at and the ends of the branches... And they'll kill your plants. I mean, if they get really carried away, they'll kill your plants. That's right. It's not just a superficial event. Look at the shrubs on the vet office side of Fred Meyer. Those high bush cranberries. The aphid population is so great on them that the leaves look like... They're mm, distorted. Oh, totally distorted. They look look like a head of cabbage. Mm -hmm. They look like a, a broccoli floret or something like that. So gnarled and twisted up. And if you untwist them, the inside of them is just loaded with little green bodies. <laughs> okay, so I had somebody in the nursery the other day, and they were looking at bleeding hearts. And, and we've got two kinds of bleeding hearts. We've got the pink kind and the really, really dark red kind. We have the red kind? We, Where's that? Sitting next to the pink kind. <laughs> I haven't seen the red one. Oh, they're in bloom now, and they're really red. I'll have and the to look foliage at them. is darker than the pink kind. It's all darker. Anyway, she was saying, and what do you do when they, they get uh, kind of tatty looking mid July, early August? You know, and when I told her that you could cut them down and give them a little fertilizer and they would come back into bloom and send up new leaves, she had no idea. She had no idea that you could do that. Okay, it's a call-in show, folks. I'm sorry, I forgot to give the number right away. It's 907-586-1800. If you'd like to participate, tell us some experiences of your own, ask some questions, give suggestions, invite people on the tour, whatever you'd like to do, please uh, give us a call. But this time of year, no matter what's happening in your yard, if once you water go out the next day and fertilize it because everything's growing 24 hours a day and it needs food and it needs food it needs to be fertilized and you can't put the fertilizer on dry ground it's it's, uh, counterproductive and can burn them if you're not careful that's true fertilizer is like a salt you know if it's uh if you don't treat it right it's going to burn things you put it on too heavy or pile it up around the base of the plant rather than put it out where the roots are all those things are no-nos. I, th- I want you to go to Tyler and get me uh, another set of hedge trimmers, okay. battery-powered, because I think that uh, I need two pairs. Well, so. I can go to Tyler today and get pick that up on our way back home. Hello, Conversations. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, my question for the day is uh, pruning Sitka roses. Okay. My Sitka rose every year, every fall, I cut it back uh, probably to about five feet off the ground. And this year with the cold, wet spring and then this really nice weather for 
most of June and part of July, it has gone crazy with all the new greens and tons of blossoms. But it uh, it looks like uh, Grandma Ethel on a bad hair day. It's just hanging over to the ground and uh, had a lot of rapid growth. How should I prune that this fall to where it's not going to be able to support itself like it is now? I'll tell you what I know on the air, okay? So, uh, what you have done for years is probably a, a perfect thing. And you're going to be able to, to manage it like that. You'll cut it back to five feet. It'll grow back to seven feet. And you'll get plenty of flowers on it. Roses bloom on the new wood. That but don't you think cutting out some of the stalks on a rugosa rather than cutting off their ends? Because to cut off their ends means they just want to become a bush at the end of that. Well... You know what I mean? There are... A... There's not a right and wrong. You're right. There are many different ends, and, and it all depends on where you want to end up. And B, what you're talking about is a more sculptural form that has longer legs and shows the top off differently. Well, it doesn't have as many competing responses. Mm-hmm. It make, makes it less bushy. That's And you know... That's, that's for, particularly for something like a Sitka rose, you're right on there. You can cut the oldest canes off out. back down to the ground, and new ones are going to keep coming up. Right. And and not so much for the hybrid forms, but for the species form, for the for the wild kind, for the true Sitka rose that does sprout up. If you cut the big stems off, more of them will sprout up, and you'll get more juvenile tissue and, and more you flowering. You don't want to cut them all out, but you figure you're going to take a third of them out and have a third of it come on as young and maintain the old. So then when you have the old stems, do you try to cut back to a particular bud outward facing or something like that rather than just shearing it off like a hedge? Well, whenever you wanted to direct it and you're gonna, gonna do it so that you're gonna make, make it do exactly what you want, then yes, that's what you do. You go to a bud. You go to a bud and the direction the bud faces is the direction the new branch will grow. Because it sounds to me, it's kind of like he has a lot of competing parts coming off his ends of the rows. And if what he's been doing for years is cutting it off at five feet, then it's going to have lots of buds around that area and be able to send out lots and lots of sprouts. So he'll have tall but you stems. Thin those, don't you want to thin those out? <coughs> oh, yeah. And that's all I'm trying to say. Is it? So, so that's been the technique. But even then, you want to go through and thin them out so you don't have all that competition. Because then it doesn't get so heavy that it's falling over or bending down to the ground because it's not strong enough to hold all that up, all that competition. And those big, old, hairy, thorny stalks on the rugosa rose, they're not putting out any flower. Right. It's the young growth up on the top. So if you want to thin it out, have better air penetration, that's a really good plan. So we've given him way too much information and, and, and nothing specific to do. So you have to clarify it, Dave. Because okay. you say yes and no and yes and no. So, <laughs> sir, if you've got lots of stems coming up out of the ground, take out a third of them. Take them out right down to the ground. And there we have all that, where you've been cutting it at five feet, you'll have 10 suckers, 10 branches coming out right there. Take that down to three. And then at the end of the season... You're going to take those shoots and cut them back to about 8 or 10 inches. 
And that's going to give you... Going not, to a bud. And that, That's right. Cutting out a bud. And then you're going to have abundant regrowth. But not so much that the plant can't stand it. Not so much that you can't see through it. And that brings up yet another topic, doesn't it? There's so many topics. Let's clarify them, though. Okay. Okay. That, that, that's one of the more fun things, shaping plants to grow the way you want them to. Well, you know, the thing about roses, there's so many thorns. Those are ghosts. You know, they may, need to make a steel mitt to be able to get in there and, and work them. Because it's not just that, oh, I got scratched by a thorn. It really hurts. And uh, I always like to have some kind of grabber. You know, when the really big, you know, when you get those big old rugosas and they're four feet across and they've got, I don't know, 50 stems, hard to get in there. It's kind of like a Snow White's Castle or something. Uh You need to have a a pair of heavy gloves and some kind of wrist and arm protection. Yep. They sell something like that. I've been seeing it on the internet lately. A gardener's sleeve. Well, I think that's mostly for sun. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's where my arms get burnt. Because I always work with my sleeves rolled up. So training your plants to act like the, like you want them is part of the gardening art. And what you're talking about, sir, is one of the, the plants which is the most vigorous. resurgent. Yes. yes really No matter vigorous. where you cut it, it's going to bush out from there. So starting at the ground, take out some of the oldest stems. Then you're coming up to the top, and you're going to thin out all that regrowth. And you're going to end up with you know, six or eight inch pieces of new wood cut off to six or eight inch pieces. And then you'll have abundant growth next spring. So um, I think that there's probably a diagram and uh, teaching log there on the Internet that you could probably look up and see how it's done. You know, the roses are a big deal. Everybody has information on roses you could probably type in pruning ragosa roses and absolutely see what comes up so you can vis- visually see it sometimes words don't do it and and i was ragosa roses were uh, originally japanese and were brought into the u.s you know in the early 1800s because they're so vigorous they are vigorous and cold hardy and that meant you could have roses where you couldn't grow roses before so since we live in a place like that um didn't we get a new ragosa rose exactly this where last I was month we, last month we got about half a dozen what are called moje hammerberg and if you know what a hansa rose is which is one of our very favorite ones it's the it's one a that, double pink really aromatic uh-huh and it doesn't run it doesn't spread right and there's a you know, there's hundreds of them around Juno because they're so popular. And this is different from that? It's smaller and, and more... Polite? More polite. Perfect. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Something refined. Something that doesn't want to take over. I so, can't understand that. Why wouldn't it want to take over? Why wouldn't you want to have something that spreads like mad? I don't know. <laughs> that would be perfect. So, uh, renewal pruning... Is, is that, is cutting off the oldest stems to the ba- bottom. And it's not just for roses. It's for things like spireas and, and uh, forsythia and dogwoods, and things that have lots and lots of stems coming up out of the ground. And you look at those all and you think, you're all kind of cousins. 
So we're going to treat you about the same. And reach in with your loppers and get those biggest old canes off down at the ground. And you would not only reinvigorate the younger ones, but all kinds of new ones will get formed. So, Because having those kind of shrubs is really hard, just like with the rose. If you just cut off their tops at five feet, they're going to become broomsticks in the next season when they come out. And, and so you have to constantly be managing it. Uh-huh. What you'll get then, every place you cut it, there's going to be a burst of new stems coming out. Right. So then you have to pick through those. Right. And say, okay, I'll take you and you and keep, keep you two and take everybody else away. Exactly. Just like we're going to have to do with our columnar apple trees right now. Well, that columnar apple, apple tree we have is just loaded with We've apples. We've got two of them, and they're both loaded. And I was going to be thinning the apples this weekend. And for people who don't know what Margaret means, I think you ought to ab- tree, advertise for the apple trees and have people come see them because they won't believe how many apples they have on them. They've got a lot of apples on them. Yeah. I mean, they're only the size of a crab apple right now, you know, a walnut or something, but side by side mm-hmm. pushing against each other right they are and in every cluster there's like six apples and I only want one right it'd have to be heartless well you're good at that I, I'm good at that I could probably do that <laughs> yes so uh, there's some things that are blooming around town now that are pretty cool okay what do you what's on your mind Japanese tree lilacs yeah that's right mm-hmm there's and we have three of the tallest Japanese tree lilacs I've ever seen. Oh, really? Tall they are and skinny. Kind of, they're tall and skinny, but they're going to grow to be really big right away. Mm-hmm. It should be real nice. Hello, conversations. Hello? Hello, hello. You're talking about pruning. How about yarrow bushes? You mean the perennial yarrow? Yes. With the yellow flowers on it? No, well, the pink flowers. Okay. You betcha. I know that one. Well, normally you only prune it in the fall unless something's died in it. So, are we are we straight here on the phone? Okay. So, uh, if the yarrow is too thick, you're going to do what Margaret was talking about. Go in and prune out some of the canes, some of the branches coming up out of the ground, some of the stems, stems, stems coming up out of the ground, and cut them off right at the ground level. And but you know, uh, boy, I've never had yarrow be so thick that you'd have to do that. But if you have yarrow like that, good for you. I never have enough yarrow. I love it. I I like it too. I particularly like the fact that it comes after the springtime. Yes, the midsummer bloomer. It's really coming into flower right now. We don't have the pink one. We've got the bright yellow one. But boy, they are shiny, shiny, shiny. So I was talking about the tree lilacs. And that's the kind of lilac that flowers after the, the springtime lilacs are blooming. The governor's mansion has a couple of them along their fence on Calhoun. They should be in bloom or just... I saw them last week. They were just cracking. Just getting ready. Uh-huh. And it's the uh, tall... They're not like anything kind. you've seen. It's not like uh, the French lilacs or the Canadian lilacs. No. It looks really different than either of those. Mm, really but, creamy, really prolific. And fragrant, man, oh, and man. And really a big tree-like instead of a big shrub-like. Right. It it's does bi- look much more like a big tree. Yeah. It has a main single trunk. Right. And the flowers are kind of uh, vanilla ice cream colored. Yep, they are. And fragrant. Uh-huh. And it has those pale green leaves. Pointy, pale green. Lilac sequ- leaves. Yeah, what... You know, you're right. 
<laughs> there are there are tremendous similarities there. Yes, it's just that it's a tree rather than a shrub. All the other things get to be a big shrub. But this is a single trunk tree. Let's drive by today and look at the ones you planted around the Capitol building. I don't have time today, but I'll do oh, it. Yeah, I'll do that. it later this week. Oh yeah, there's that. We got a lot of stuff going on today. Yeah. So uh, we'll be open today at Landscape Alaska. Open at ten. Come on out and uh, buy some bugs. A- aphid predators. They cost five bucks a card. It's got five hundred little eggs on it, and each egg hatches out to be a little predator and each one wants to eat 300 or so aphids things are a little disorganized at landscape alaska though we had a, a wedding celebration party in our greenhouse last night and uh we'll be moving furniture in and out of the house and getting that all set back up to be a greenhouse so bear with us well the weather's good for it uh-huh. at least we're not out there in the pouring down rain that's which, right like we usually are on the 15th of july where, what, where what, are my seven inches of rain a week? It was so sweet. <laughs> so, so sweet. Having that scene last night in the greenhouse. It was uh, inspirational. Good. Actually. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought it was just lovely. So, uh, the lilies are making their flowers now. The lilies are great. Uh-huh. And you can see those big, fat buds at the top. You know, and you may have to thin them. It depends on what kind, but most of them not. Most of them just let them go. And they, the lilies I planted at Riverview are just booming out of the ground. They're just loving the heat. And lilies are really unusual plants in that they have two root systems. They've got one at the bottom of the bulb that holds on to things and every year pulls the bulb deeper and deeper into the ground. And they've got another one that's on the top of the bulb, and that's the one that feeds the plant. So if you ever got to feed your lilies, feed them up by the surface. So that you makes mean a world of difference. So are you talking about the young bulbs that drop down on the ground from after they flower and dig their way into the ground? That's that's the case, and also when a because it's lily's, about the size of a pea. Yeah, and those are bulbules, and they grow in the leaf in, axle. Right, and mostly on tiger lilies, we've seen. So, right. right, those fall down and they pull themselves into the ground. But there's also the ones that are the lily seeds that have floated around and they're uh, going to germinate and grow. Hello, conversations. So, are you talking about the young poultry? I'm sorry, could you speak up? Hello? Hi. Hello. Much better. Is this Landscape Alaska? This it is. Okay. I just wanted to call and congratulate you on your your new daughter-in-law thank you we just love her uh-huh. both our daughter-in-laws both our sons got married in the same year it's been pretty wild yeah. thank oh, you wow. so much we are we are <laughs> we're absolutely thrilled we are absolutely thrilled that's right <laughs> dancing around well, thanks anyway, a lot just wanted to say congratulations thank okay, you so much care, all right out in the nursery I, we've got some unusual stuff i i love that thank you that's the essence of small towns you know well for me Living with men, both my sons and you, all my adult life, having two other wonderful women in my life is such a treat. And I'm so glad that that we're going to have a wonderful time. I'm, you know? I understand And they're exactly. so strong and with it. I'm just thrilled. Oh, good. I, me too. And skilled. Absolutely. Very, Absolutely very skilled. Uh-huh. Delightful. Welcome to our family. We're just thrilled. So, uh, 
There are things out in, in our landscape now I'd like to talk about. Okay, what do you want to talk about? New stuff. What are you blabbing about? Paw paw. Oh, Papa. Okay. So there's a we guy. We gotta plant one because uh, it, it looks pretty uninspiring it in its can. Like, pretty uninspiring. I I think it'll grow here. I bought five of them. If somebody wants to try one, come up and I'll I'll share one with you. It's a North American papaya. It's uh doesn't have a huge fruit, but it does have a fruit, and I'm hoping it, I can get them to grow here. Do I, they need to grow in a shelter so it doesn't get rained on so much? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. They grow here out in the in I mean they grow in North America just out in the forest because they're native as far as Maine and uh, down to Florida all along the up and down the East Coast so they've got some cold tolerance to them but I don't you know, know but for here it's always the rain uh-huh. yeah I mean not this year but historically but I, cold tolerance is great I'm not talking about a big shelter I'm just saying some kind of little drier. Scenario. An umbrella underneath an eave, right? And and also there are uh, relatives of the North American blackberry called a dewberry, and I bought some of those too. And they are little tiny leaves, and they're the, not the big Himalayan blackberry that grows along the sides of the freeway up and down the Willamette Valley, but the kind that is native off in the forest and woods. And the branches are tiny, and the leaves are tiny. But the fruit, so they say, is exceptionally flavorful. So Great. We're going to try those, and uh, the those hun- sound like they need to go in a hanging basket, oh, and then no, that's a and great put the idea. basket in the ground for the winter time, and then get it out in the spring and have it hanging. So when you walk by, you can pick that's the fruit. That's a great idea. Okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to. I think that's wonderful. I'll do that. Otherwise, all the porcupines and the birds will eat it here growing on the ground. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of little creatures out there. Love to eat things growing on the ground. The honeyberries are about finishing their their long, solid run. They've been in, in, in perfect condition to eat for the last three weeks. They're kind of... really pretty shrubs, too. Really pretty, and they're kind of a, a Pop-Tart flavor, kind of spicy and sweet at the same time. And uh, they're a fruiting member of the honeysuckle family. They're common in northern Japan and Siberia. So we keep looking around. We find stuff that's going to work for us here. And uh, if we can find something new and put it in, then we are thrilled to do so. And if you come up to Landscape Alaska, the overwhelming effect right now is of the big pink dogwood blooming. The big pink dogwoods are in flower right now, and they have been in flower for a month. And they're getting pinker and pinker and pinker. Hello, conversations. Yes, sir. I stopped in there the other day. My name is Scott Watley, and I'm in Colorado, and I do a radio show in Denver. I'm having a hard time hearing you, Scott. Oh, I, I, let me get off a plane here, and I'll, I'll call you right back. Okay, okay great. Look us up, Landscape Alaska. All right. You never know. That's what radio is. Goes out into the air. I love radio. Uh, Grew up with radio. Uh, Japanese maples are starting to show color. Oh, what I wanted to say. So for our party last night, I used one of the pink dogwoods at the background of the back of the gr- greenhouse so that it decorated it. And I was able to buy printed watermelon fabric at Joanne's that was the same color as the <laughs> pink dogwoods because we were just having a, a family picnic. 
You know, it wasn't a formal dinner. It was from three in the afternoon till six in the evening, and uh, and it was so cute, so cute. That pink dogwood is just a killer. It's a killer, isn't it? Yes, it is. I think that it would look great espaliered against some kind of a warm wall. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. If somebody has a, a southern-facing wall... Or west-facing. Uh-huh, and they'd like to try something new and exciting. Come, we've only got a couple... Oh, we've only got one left. Someone called me yesterday. They want to have one, so... Do they have... Your, you have their name on them? They could be there right now. Somebody could be buying it. They shouldn't choose which one they were going to come and choose. <laughs> you never know. I should I, leave the watermelon tablecloths on the tables in the greenhouse. Okay, and if you come early enough, Margaret also made some of those fabulous lily bouquets with the beautiful kinds of Asiatics and Orientals and, and tiger lilies. N- not t- They're tiger lily hybrids. Yes. Yes. And they are the most succulent-looking cut flowers. They are. That's why we've been buying them for a long time. Okay, come up and see us. We'll talk to you later. This is Dave and Mark from Landscape Alaska. We're getting off the air, and we'll talk to you again. And remember, happy gardening.